Hi, I'm Paul Ellard. Welcome to Our Queen, Our Mother, the Graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary. In our sessions, we will be exploring the topic of the Blessed Virgin Mary and why she is important to the Christian faith. With each talk, we will try and open up and explain in simple terms the Catholic Church's teaching on the Blessed Virgin Mary. We will also include a testimony of people who have experienced her love and grace in their own lives. So welcome to the program and let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our loving God, we give you thanks and praise. All the graces and blessings that you've given us, that you continue to give us every day. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your mother. And we thank you, Lord, that you raise up great saints that are witnesses to your love and the love and the graces of your mother. Thank you, Lord, for these great saints who call us to holiness, who call us to imitate their love for your mother and their love for you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati, pray for us. Blessed Pope John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In today's session, we're going to look at the life of Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. Now we're looking at Pier Giorgio Frassati because he had a very, very strong devotion to Our Lady. And one of the things we want to do in our coming sessions is to look at saints who have a special relationship with Mary and see how that expressed itself in their own lives and their own spirituality. Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati has become more known in recent years, and particularly through Pope John Paul II who was a big fan of Pier Giorgio and really tried to promote him as much as he could and especially during World Youth Days. Pier Giorgio Frassati was born in Turin, Italy. You might recall that Turin is the home of the Shroud. Well, Pier Giorgio's body in fact today lies in that same cathedral in Turin that the Shroud does. Pier Giorgio was born in 1901 and he died in 1925, so he only lived 24 years. We celebrate his feast day on the day he died, the 4th of July, and he was beatified by Pope John Paul II on the 20th of May, 1990. I have a real devotion to Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati, and it all began some years ago when I heard the story of Pier Giorgio. And I was really quite taken by the story. It touched me deeply. And one of the things I heard was that Pier Giorgio's body was incorrupt. Now, for those of you that may not be familiar with this, an incorrupt body is a body of a saint that, was, when put into the grave, does not decay. 
not because of any chemical processes or anything like that to prevent it. In reality, it's a miracle that the body doesn't decay. Why does the Lord do this? Well, it's done as a sign of, first of all, the person's holiness. It's sometimes connected with the message perhaps they're delivering. And also, of course, ultimately it's a sign that the body will in fact rise again and we will be reunited with our bodies in the final resurrection when we all will have a resurrected body. So we talk of incorrupt bodies as being a relic. Perhaps we should just say something about relics because relics uh, can be a rather unusual tradition perhaps in our church, particularly for those of us that live in Australia and America. Europe has a lot of incorrupt bodies and a lot of relics, so it's not really anything so new to that culture. But to our culture, it's, it's something very different. So what is a relic? First of all, it's important to say that we only give adoration to God, our Creator, never to creatures. And we've talked about that in a previous session about in relationship with Mary. But veneration, of course, is given to saints. We give it to saints to honour them because of their closeness to Almighty God. Now, relics have no power in themselves. However, the Church teaches that relics can be the occasion of God's miracles. Now, we see this verified in Scripture. We see the use of the bones of Elisha brought a dead man back to life in 2 Kings 13, 20-21. We read that a woman was cured of a hemorrhage by touching the hem of Christ's cloak in Matthew 9, 20-22. We read that sick people were healed when Peter's shadow passed over them in Acts 5, 15-16 and also cloths that were touched against the skin of St. Paul when applied to the sick and the possessed were healed. Again, you can read that in Acts 19.11-12. So when we have relics, they can be occasions of grace. An incorrupt body is not only all of that a normal relic would be, but in a special way it expresses something of the miraculous nature and the power of God. So when I heard that Pierre Giorgio's body was incorrupt, I wanted to investigate it more. I went looking and researching to see if I could find some more information about it, but I was unable to find anything at that time about the incorrupt body of Pierre Giorgio Frassati. So eventually I sent off an email to a Pierre Giorgio Frassati group in America and asked them had they heard of it. The particular man wrote back to me and he said, look, he hadn't heard of this, but he gave me the contact details of a person who would know and he said, look, this person will know for sure because this is Pierre Giorgio's niece. So I sent an email off to uh, Pierre Giorgio's niece. Her name was Wanda Gawonska. She has a um, Polish connection as well as Italian connection in the family. I'll explain that a little later. Anyway, months went by and one day I opened my inbox and sure enough, here is an email from Wanda answering my question. So my question was this, is it true that Pierre Giorgio's body is incorrupt? And Wanda wrote back to me and she said, yes, it is true. 
I was present when they opened the casket in 1981, and he looked beautiful and like he was smiling. Doctors showed that he still had elastic skin and flesh underneath it. I do not know what state he is in now, as it has been opened and reclosed several times since. So that began a, um, a line of communication with Vonda, which eventually we ended up meeting, and we've met on several occasions, and we've become good friends. Vonda lives in Rome, and whenever I go to Rome, I always go and have lunch with her, and we sit and chat, and she tells me wonderful stories about um, Pier Giorgio things that you don't always read in books. And it was through my association with her that when the decision was made to bring Pierre Giorgio's incorrupt body out to Sydney for World Youth Day, that I was offered the job to look after the pastoral aspects of that. And it began with an invitation asking Vonda would her family be open to the idea of Pierre Giorgio's body coming to Australia for World Youth Day. And of course, they were very happy and supportive of this. And he came and there's a long story in itself that goes just in transporting an incorrupt body from one side of the world to the other. But it was certainly a really blessed moment. And for those of you that went through the cathedral at Sydney World Youth Day, or you may have also seen Pier Giorgio at St. Benedict's Church in Broadway. He was there the week before World Youth Day. In both locations, many people reported blessings and graces that were just signs that God was really working in the presence of his relics and touching many hearts. One amazing story I'd like to share with you was when Pier Giorgio's body came first to Australia, it was at St. Benedict's Church in Broadway. This was the week before World Youth Day officially began. So a lot of pilgrims were there and we actually celebrated Pier Giorgio's feast day, the 4th of July, at St. Benedict's. But one of the things I noticed every day that I was there, we could smell an incredible aroma of roses. Now, we often read about the odour of sanctity of saints and a number of saints have had this where their body was. So it was amazing that we could smell this strong aroma of roses. And there were some flowers there next to the casket, but there weren't any roses. There was just one small bunch of roses there. And I picked them up and smelt them, but they had no odour. And after a few days, the flowers were wilting, so I had to change the flowers. So I made a particular point of taking those old roses out of the place so there was no possible chance that those roses could be contributing and still we could smell this incredible odour of sanctity. And many people commented on it. We had a visitor's book there and many people wrote in the visitor's book that they could smell the odour of sanctity. So there's so much we can say about Pierre Giorgio so we'll have to uh, keep the short version or else we'll be here a long time. Let me just give you a, a little bit of background information then on Pier Giorgio and his family. Pier Giorgio came from a very wealthy family. His father was the founder of La Stampa newspaper, which is still running today, although not owned by the Frasati family. His father was also one time an Italian senator and ambassador to Germany. His mother was a painter, 
and neither of his parents were particularly religious. He had a grandmother who was fairly religious. It's a bit of a question where Pier Giorgio got his faith from, but they tend to think it came from his grandmother. Pier Giorgio also had a sister, Luciana, who was 17 months younger than him. And Luciana only just recently died in 2007 at an amazing age of 105. And she was very active even right up until her late 90s. Now, Pier Giorgio himself was a great athlete. He was a picture of health. He had a passion for sports and particularly mountain climbing. He also loved the arts and music. He could drive a car and he used to smoke little mini Tuscan cigars. He was also a great practical joker, but he was also a great evangelist. And in a way, he was the forerunner to the laity being active in the whole new evangelization movement that's happening in the church today. He founded a Christian group and he called them the Shady Characters Society. <laughs> well, his nickname was the Terror because of the practical jokes that he used to play on people. So you get the feeling that he used these names to try and break down any stuffy preconceived ideas about living a Christian life. He was very politically active at the time and he was a born leader. He was also very noisy <laughs> and people of Turin used to comment about how noisy he was when he walked down the street with his mates. He studied at the university for a degree in mining and he wanted to be a mining engineer and the reason he chose mining was because he said that the people in mining were the most unhappy people he'd ever met and he wanted to go and make a difference. And that says a lot about Pier Giorgio. At the time of Pier Giorgio, the Frassati name with his father and having the newspaper, it was well known for its stance against fascism and Mussolini. And Pier Giorgio himself joined a Dominican lay order, third order of Dominicans, and took the name Brother Jerome after a Dominican preacher who was a bit of a hero of his. Many people, particularly when he went to visit the poor and the sick, didn't really know him as the rich kid Frassati, but just really knew him as Brother Jerome. And even his family knew little of his incredible charitable works that he used to do after school and university, except his sister. His sister knew that he was doing these things. And his deep spirituality was based on charity. He was an active member of the St. Vincent de Paul Society and whenever he got any money, he never had a lot of money himself even though his family were quite wealthy, but whenever he got money he gave it away. For his 24th birthday he was given a gift of 5,000 lira and he said, I know a bank that gives a thousand percent interest and he took it down to the slums and gave the money away. One of the things we did in presenting uh, the life of Pier Giorgio at World Youth Day was that we presented three metre banners that have photos and quotes of Pier Giorgio. I'll read you some of these quotes because they really reveal so much about the person of Pier Giorgio. One of these quotes says, Amazed, people saw this young man in the streets of Turin helping the poor looking for a home, dragging hand carts filled with their household goods. 
he would enter the most squalid houses and give away all the money he had so that he did not have enough money to take the bus home. One of Pierre Giorgio's mates quoted as saying, We used to visit the lepers at the hospital in San Lazaro. We came upon a young man, 20 years old, whose face was ravaged by leprosy. And Pierre Giorgio said, We have the duty of putting our health at the service of those who do not have it, because to act otherwise would be to betray the gift of God and his goodness. So he would always be seen down the hospitals, he'd give away sweets, he would stop and befriend people, talk to people. People who knew Pierre Giorgio, even for just a few minutes, felt as though that he was a close friend. Another quote about Pierre Giorgio, The poor and the suffering were his masters, and he was literally their servant, which he considered a privilege. He would do things like buy a dress for a child who's being baptised where the parents couldn't afford it. And he acted as godfather and helped a husband to get a job when he came out of prison. And he helped the injured servicemen who were returning from World War I. He would visit the hospital for the physically and mentally handicapped and befriend and help out wherever he could. But when he used to go down to the slums in Turin, Pier Giorgio was asked, how do you overcome your revulsion at the nauseating smell when you visit the poor in the slums? And Pier Giorgio answered, don't ever forget that even though the house is sordid, you are approaching Christ. Remember what the Lord said, the good you do to the poor is the good done to me. All around the sick and all around the poor, I see a special light which we do not have. That last line is quite profound. So something to really stop and meditate on. All around the sick and all around the poor, I see a special light which we do not have. Pier Giorgio had a lot of friends. We have lots of photos of Pier Giorgio. His mother used to love to take photos. So there are lots of photos of Pier Giorgio, and a few of these are on the Cradio website. They're not photos that you'd normally uh, connect with a saint. Um, when you have a look at them, you'll, you'll see what I mean. There's one photo of Pier Giorgio sitting around a table with four of his mates, obviously in party mode. He's sitting there with a silly uh, hat on and a bottle of vino in his hand, and... <laughs> And then there's another photo of Pier Giorgio. He's standing next to a priest and he's got a cigarette in his hand and he's got this really cheeky look on his face. And every time I look at this photo, it's one of my favourite photos of Pier Giorgio. I feel like the priest is saying, oh, what am I going to do with you, Pier Giorgio? <laughs> but Pier Giorgio had a really deep spirituality. The amazing thing was about Pier Giorgio is he could be a practical joker and he could live life to the full, yet when it came to prayer, he was incredibly devout. He used to take groups up the mountains and he'd take them up the mountains and he would often take a priest with them so they could have mass. And then early in the morning, he'd be banging on all the doors, telling everyone, come on, wake up, wake up, climbers, wake up. 
and get everybody up and be screaming at the top of his voice and joking and things like that. When they went downstairs where they were having mass, Pierre Giorgio would be steeped in prayer. And it prompted the, the comment one day, are there two Frasatis? seemed to be <laughs> one who loved this mystical prayer life and one who was this outgoing, noisy person. And Pierre Giorgio got permission to receive Holy Communion every day. In those days, you weren't allowed to receive Communion every day unless you had special permission. And Pierre Giorgio received this. And he said this about Holy Communion. Jesus comes to me every morning in Holy Communion, and I repay him in my very small way by visiting the poor. You know, they say, Pier Giorgio, if you saw him with the group, he was always with the person who was the most rejected, the person who was the unattractive person or the poorest person. He would always go and befriend them. And they asked him once, why do you travel third class on the trains, Pier Giorgio? His mates knew he came from a wealthy family. And Pier Giorgio answered, I travel third class because there's no fourth class. One time, Pier Giorgio, when his sister got married, he gave his sister a crucifix as a wedding present. And the family were a bit embarrassed about this, so they actually sort of bought another present, which became the official present, along with his crucifix. But his sister would later say that many years later, when she had to flee Warsaw when the Nazis were moving in, that the only possession that she took was that crucifix. And so that crucifix became very, very dear and special to her. Pier Giorgio came from a family that had its problems. And his father was very stern. His father could not understand why his son was going around the embassy and taking all the flowers out of the vases of the embassy when in fact what he was doing was taking them down to the graves of the poor people and putting the flowers on the graves for those who didn't have any. Another time his father bought Pier Giorgio this beautiful expensive coat and when he came home without his coat he said to Pier Giorgio, where's your coat? And he said, Dad, there was this man and he didn't have a coat so I gave it to him. His father just went really crook at him for giving away his coat and all Pierre Giorgio could say was, but Dad, it was really cold. So here he is thinking of others, putting others first. Very misunderstood in the process. One of the quotes that I love to link with Pierre Giorgio, although it's not actually said by Pierre Giorgio, but actually by Saint Irenaeus, but I think it really applies to Pierre Giorgio. St. Irenaeus says, The glory of God is man fully alive. And we really see that in Pier Giorgio. One night when Pier Giorgio was steeped in prayer, he was uh, kneeling on the marble floor and he was so lost in prayer that big drops of wax kept dripping from the candles above him onto his clothes and onto his hair and even ran down a little bit on his forehead but Pier Giorgio was so lost in prayer that he didn't notice it. Pope John Paul II referred to Pier Giorgio as a man of the eight Beatitudes. 
And I'll just read you a quote that John Paul said at Pierre Giorgio's beatification on May 20, 1990. By his example, he proclaims that a life lived in Christ's spirit, the spirit of the Beatitudes, is blessed, and that only the person who becomes a man or woman of the Beatitudes can succeed in communicating love and peace to others. He repeats, it really is worth giving up everything to serve the Lord. He testifies that holiness is possible for everyone and that only the revolution of charity can enkindle the hope of a better future in the hearts of people. And you know, during um, World Youth Day, a lady came up to me and she read all the banners of Pierre Giorgio and she really didn't know anything about him. And when she read all that and then she got to the end and saw his incorrupt body in the casket there, and she said, wow, you know, I can do this. If this is what it takes, I, I can do this. So, you know, when John Paul says he testifies that holiness is possible for everyone, that really is true. That was really proved to me during that week of World Youth Day. My favourite quote of Pierre Giorgio is this one. It's not uncommon to see this on people's desks or their bedroom wall or in their study. It says this, To live without faith, without a patrimony to defend, without a steady struggle for truth, that is not living, but mere existing. We have to have a passion about our faith. We have to have a reason to live, a reason to die. And without faith, this world doesn't make any sense at all. Well, every good story has a love story. And Pierre Giorgio is no different. Pierre Giorgio fell in love with a, a young lady named Laura. Although amazingly, she never knew this. He struggled with this and because Laura did not have a class background, he knew his family would never accept her. And so he struggled so much with this. And in the end, he gave up this relationship. Now today we might query all of that. But it was to be that way in divine providence because six months later he would die anyway. But that struggle in this relationship and how we dealt with it is really invaluable for those of us perhaps to find that we have a broken relationship or relationship that doesn't work. How do we deal with a broken heart? for relationships that perhaps are not meant to be, for, for whatever reason that need to separate. Pierre Giorgio is a great example of how to deal with this. Let me read to you a text from Luciana's book. By the way, there are a number of good books that you can buy about the life of Pierre Giorgio Frassati. One of them written by his sister Luciana Frassati, A Man of the Beatitudes. It's entitled... It's an excellent book and I highly recommend that you read this if you'd like to know more on the life of Pierre Giorgio. And Luciana writes, Yesterday evening he came to me with his great black eyes and told me he was in love with a girl I know. Of course I have said nothing to Mama because it would be the final blow. Poor boy, it was moving to hear him speak. I told him to try not to see her. He told me he had already tried and added, if I go to the mountain on Sunday, she will be there too. 
How can I not go? Should I telephone her? Write to her? Poor boy, I looked at him and realised it needed all his goodness, all his uprightness, to act that way. And to tell the truth, I felt much, much worse than him. He capped it off by adding his plans for the future and his ideals so as to ravish my heart and sentiments. Because to everything he said, he added, I cannot, for I do not want to leave Mama. We must not forget this and treat him with great kindness and tenderness. As if he had said, Luciana, I am sick. Giorgio told me also that not only had he not said a word to her, but that he had not even made the slightest allusion. Now, Pierre Giorgio really struggled with this. He knew that his family would never accept this girl and it would mean that he would have to break away from the family. And Pierre Giorgio writes in a letter to a friend of his and we can, and we can get a sense of the struggle. I beg you to pray that God will give me the Christian strength to bear it all serenely and that he will give her every earthly happiness and the strength to finally reach the end for which we were created. All the time he looked at this relationship within a spiritual dimension and he truly loved her and prayed for her and sacrificed for her. In another letter to his sister, Pierre Giorgio writes one of the most amazing texts that we have from a young saint. You ask me whether I am cheerful. How could I not be, so long as my trust in God gives me strength? We should always be cheerful. Sadness should be banished from all Christian souls. For suffering is a far different thing from sadness, which is the worst disease of all. It is almost always caused by lack of faith. But the purpose for which we have been created shows us the path along which we should tread, perhaps strewn with many thorns, but not a sad path. Even in the midst of intense suffering, it is one of joy. So there we see the secret to Pierre Giorgio's outlook on life and why he was always happy. The way Pierre Giorgio distinguished this was to divide suffering separate from sadness. Sadness is what we experience when we don't have the love of God, when we can't trust in God. So he's not saying we don't suffer, but he's saying sadness is worse than suffering because sadness is caused through lack of faith and a lack of trust in God. So a profound statement and again something that we can spend quite a long time reflecting on. Now Pier Giorgio's closest friend Marco said this about Pier Giorgio after his death. This is something that is really pertinent to our topic on Our Lady. Marco writes, I would not hesitate to say that the secret of Pier Giorgio's spiritual perfection is to be found in his devotion to Mary. A day never passed that did not find him at the feet of his heavenly mother with his rosary, his favourite prayer, entwined in his fingers. Now the passing of Pier Giorgio is quite an amazing story. Pier Giorgio's grandmother was dying 
And so the whole family was focused on his grandmother. Pierre Giorgio had picked up polio and the maid started to notice something wasn't right when he was sleeping in and she saw him walk down the hallway and lean against the wall as he walked. He even asked for some aspirin. What happened was he was getting worse and worse but no one really took much notice and on the day of his mother's funeral they all went to the funeral but as providence would have it his mother was in such a state and was so worked up about the death of the grandmother that she decided that she would stay home and not go to the funeral and because Pier Giorgio wasn't well she'd stay home and just keep an eye on him anyway they called the doctor and the doctor came into the room and was sort of joking with Pier Giorgio and then he asked him to lift up his arm Pier Giorgio said I can't and it was then that the doctor suddenly realized that he had this paralysis and how serious it was so alarm bells went Luciana writes that while they were at the graveside they got a call from Turin to return immediately and they thought it had something to do perhaps with her father's business or something but when they got back and realized then that the seriousness of Pierre Giorgio that in fact he was actually dying and in those days they didn't have the vaccine for polio um, there was some kind of vaccine available but it had to be flown in and it was bad weather at the time and they were unable to get this vaccine in time and so for the next few days Pier Giorgio suffered a very painful death his grandmother died on the 1st of July her funeral was on the 3rd Pier Giorgio then would die the following day but even when he was dying Pier Giorgio said to his sister to remember to renew the pawn ticket that he had for a man and he also asked her would he go and get some medicine for converso so here he was thinking of others even on his deathbed you know, to die by polio is not a very pleasant experience you basically the the muscles become paralyzed and it comes up to your lungs and eventually you die the family said that Pier Giorgio he just kept his and through all this suffering Pier Giorgio just kept his eyes on Our Lady kept looking at a photo of Our Lady and he had the cross and rosary beads in his hand at 7 p.m. on the 4th of July Luciana says that Pierre Giorgio gave a little squeeze to her hand which was twined with the rosary beads he had given her and passed away and at the same time the house clock struck seven and a mysterious gust of wind whistled down the corridor and so when Pierre Giorgio died as we mentioned his father's a politician and one of the um, politicians wrote in his diary the best man in the world is dead and Pier Giorgio used to talk about and say that the day of his death will be the most beautiful day of his life and so when word got out that Pier Giorgio had died all the people from the slum district came to visit to pay homage the family couldn't understand all these people knocking on the door wanting to see the body of Pier Giorgio they didn't understand and 
when the funeral finally occurred, hundreds of people lined the streets, not only the politicians, the friends of Pier Giorgio's father, but the poor people from Turin. And Luciana writes the most moving description of what happened in this. Luciana writes, At home we realised for the first time that something unalterable had happened, too big for us to understand. Meanwhile, the doors began to open to let in new faces. Unknown to us was his life. Mama tried to stop it, not realising that the revelation of her son's greatness was beginning. At my request, she withdrew the order. The throng of silent people, their faces blank or wet with tears, went in to touch him, touched him like a relic in front of us who had ignored him for years. It was from these unknown people that we received our greatest lesson. Powerful line, that. I've read that text many times and it still puts a knot in my throat. Signora Rigo told me she saw Signora Converso clinging to the church door and crying like a baby. And she is right to cry. He did such a lot for her. Pierre Giorgio had a beautiful soul that loved everything beautiful, everything good, everything holy. He was capable of rising to sublime heights and the true living light of faith shone in him. That faith which alone teaches us to love in God, with God and through God. Well, there's so much more we could say about Pierre Giorgio but we're already gone over time. So let me just end with a little bit about Pope John Paul II connection with Pier Giorgio. Vanda told me that when Pope John Paul II became Pope in 1978, soon after he came to Turin and he was on radio and he was talking about two great men who were witnesses to Christ. And he mentioned St. John Bosco, of course, the great saint who was from Turin. And he also mentioned Pier Giorgio Frassati. Now, Vonda said to me that, you know, up until this point, no one had ever really spoken out, or certainly not from the level of the papacy, about Pier Giorgio. When he said this, they were, they were listening on radio and nearly <laughs> got a shock of their lives to hear uh, her uncle mentioned in this way. Because you've got to remember at this time, in, in 1978, Pier Giorgio wasn't even beatified. And then the most amazing thing was, uh, the family got a call from the Vatican that Pope John Paul II wanted to come and pray at the tomb of Pier Giorgio in Polone. Because he wasn't a saint or even beatified at this stage, it had to be a private visit. So John Paul flew in his helicopter to Polone and went to the tomb. The tomb was one of those uh, underground little rooms, very typical in the Italian style. And Fonda said the Pope just went there and knelt. There was a wall behind was the casket of Pier Giorgio. And remember at this time no one knew anything about being a body incorrupt or anything like this. And he just knelt and prayed. And Vonda said he didn't move for about 20 minutes. He just prayed. And 
you know, who knows what went on in that 20 minutes of prayer. Something happened <laughs> and John Paul then came back and really encouraged and promoted Pierre Giorgio. In 1981, the beatification process began and that was when in 1981 when the body was moved, they discovered that it was incorrupt and the body now rests in the cathedral at Turin and then in 1990 he was beatified and we're hoping that we'll get another miracle so that he can be canonized. So I encourage you to pray through Pier Giorgio's intercession and if you get a healing, please do not be quiet about it, but please let the Frasati family know. If you don't know how to contact them, you can just always contact your local bishop and tell them what has happened and get word back because we would love that second miracle to canonize Pier Giorgio. So I might just end with a final quote from Wanda Kowanska, Pier Giorgio's niece. By the way, if you're wondering why the Polish name, Luciana married a Polish diplomat. And in fact, Luciana is known in Poland not so much for the fact that she's the brother of the famous Pier Giorgio, but Luciana did a lot during the war years to help people escape from the Nazis. In fact, she was on the Nazi hit list. And in Poland, Luciana is regarded as a war hero. And she was associated with uh, Lublin University, which was the uh, Catholic university that Pope John Paul II used to teach at. But that's another story. And there's so many spin-off stories we could talk about with Pier Giorgio. But we're running out of time. So let's end then with this quote from Wanda Kowanska, because I think it sums up Pier Giorgio really well. God gave Pier Giorgio all the external attributes that could have led him to make wrong choices. A wealthy family, very good looks, manhood, health, and being the only heir to a powerful family. But Pier Giorgio listened to the invitation of Christ, Come, follow me. He anticipated by at least 50 years the church's understanding and new direction on the role of the laity. So thank you for being with us today. But please don't go away. We'll be right back with our special guest who also has a great love for Pier Giorgio Frasati. So welcome back. Today's special guest is Tammy McMahon. Tammy is a registered nurse in the Tamworth region, which is country New South Wales. She's 33 years old. She's a founding member of a young Catholic adult group up there in Tamworth. She's also a member of the Legion of Mary and a member of the Frasati Society, which is a, a youth group built around Pier Giorgio Frasati. So welcome to the program, Tammy. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Tammy, would you like to share with us a little bit how you came to have devotion and love of Our Lady? Yes. When I was growing up, 
I was brought up as a Catholic and I didn't actually learn a lot about Mary at school or anything like that. It wasn't till I was about 16 years old. My parents used to take us to weekend mass and we started to go to a home rosary once a month for couple's home and they had been on a recent pilgrimage to Magigoria and they used to talk about their experiences overseas and if that Our Lady was appearing and I started to really listen to what they were saying and I was really, really enjoying the rosary. I'd never sort of learnt to pray it before and I just knew that each time that I prayed it, uh, with the family, I felt something special inside my heart. And at the same time, I was, because I was 16, I just started to get into a lot of partying and spending a lot of time doing things that weren't good for me. And But in the background, I'd started to pray the rosary. So I knew that my way of life was not making me happy. And I also knew that every time... I prayed the rosary, I felt so good inside. So I started to pray the rosary more myself outside of this monthly gathering and I started to develop a real love for Mary. I could sense her helping me and leading me to Jesus and I was given a book to read on Our Lady's apparitions and I didn't know that it was actually possible that Our Lady could appear like that. And one of the things that Our Lady was saying in the book was that the rosary was one of the most powerful prayers besides the Holy Mass that you could pray. And I really listened to that and took it on board. And every time I asked for something in the rosary, she got it for me. She interceded for me before Jesus. And we had some amazing things happen in our family at home just through the power of the rosary. And... I started to also read about how powerful the Holy Mass was. So I learnt that the Mass, the Holy Mass was the most powerful prayer and one of the things that Our Lady was said in the past was that a good way to prepare for Holy Mass was to pray the Rosary and so I started to do that and my whole outlook of the Mass and my attention at Mass and everything just changed and it just made me fall in love with the Mass and with Jesus in the Eucharist. One morning, I'd woken up early to pray the Rosary before going to Holy Mass, and I fell back to sleep during the Rosary, and I was going to miss Mass because I went into a deep sleep, and I was suddenly woken up with this really, really strong smell of roses, and it would, it was so strong that it just woke me out of a deep sleep, and... I had this real sense of an awareness of that Our Lady was asking me to get up and go to Holy Mass and she rewarded me with that little sign just to encourage me to keep going and that was a wonderful experience that I'll never forget. And there was no roses in the room at all. There was no flowers near me at all. So for there to be a strong smell like that, it could not have come from anything in my environment around me there wasn't any in the room. Mm, beautiful. When we were praying the rosary together as a family, one of my grandparents was sick and he was given a 10% chance to live. 
and we got together and prayed the rosary for him because we knew the power of it and asked for healing. And my grandparents went on to live for another 10 years. He survived the sickness. Oh. So that was a big answered prayer through the rosary. And then from there, I went overseas on pilgrimage to Magigoria, where I was able to develop a real deep prayer life. I had some excellent experiences over there through Our Lady, and she taught me to pray from the heart and to basically put God in the first place, put Jesus first in your life. And after I came home from Magigoria, I was so thankful for the way that Our Lady had shown me how to put Jesus first and how much of a difference that made in my life. I just went from being partying on a weekend to the happiest person on this earth. And just knowing in your heart that God was real and that she would show me the way to her son. Mm-hmm. And I came home and wanted to say thank you to that lady. So I wanted to become part of a church group that for our lady and the Legion of Mary came up. So I became a member of that. And I think we've been going about 10 years now. And in the Legion of Mary, we gather once a week to pray the rosary together. We have a meeting and we do two hours active work for the church. Our initial work involved visiting house to house in the different Catholic parishes to find out which people were sort of lapsed Catholics and try and keep them in touch with the church. And we would give out miraculous medals to anybody who wanted them. And in particular, there was this one man who hadn't been to church for, since he was an altar boy. Basically, he left the church and we visited him for two years. We just sat there and listened to him talking to us and, you know, we shared our faith with him and he was pretty amazed that young people could have a strong faith. I think that's what he was really impressed with. And then we found out about two years down the track, one time... Father Gleason, the priest, came up to us and told us that this particular man had turned up to Mass after all these years not going, and after two years of us visiting him, he came back to Mass, and a week or two later, he passed away. So the work of the Legion, we realised, working with Our Lady, was there was nothing better that we could do with our time. Wow. We've been doing that yeah. for some time. Tammy, you mentioned that you're a part of the Frassati Society. Could you tell us a little bit about Pier Giorgio? And obviously you've been touched by aspects of his life and he also had a great love for Our Lady. Could you share us a little bit about how Pier Giorgio's witness has been powerful in your life? Well, Pier Giorgio is a young person for starters. So the way that he had such a strong faith, he spent his whole life serving Jesus in the poor that he visited. And he came from a rich family, but he didn't care about any of that. He used to give his clothes away to the poor people. And one thing that he especially used to talk about was his love for Mary. And as a result of his love for Mary, he also knew the power of the Holy Rosary and how the Blessed Mother loved us pray the rosary so he used to pray it every day and he also used to go to daily mass as well and he's just 
such an inspiration for young people of our time to model our life on his, basically. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's, that's how he's inspired us. And, Tammy, you mentioned going on pilgrimage. You've mentioned to me previously that you've been to a number of Marian shrines in Europe. Could you tell us a little bit about some of your experiences at different Marian shrines? Sure. One in particular that stands out is went to La Salette in France. Um, it's on top of the French Alps. There's a site there where Our Lady appeared to some children on the hillside. And one of the things that came out of that was a miraculous water fountain coming out of the side of the mountain that Our Lady said would be there, that people could drink the water and they would have the chance to be healed. And time I was sick, I had a problem where I was allergic to gluten and wheat and I couldn't eat a lot of food and it was really difficult. And I drank some of the water from the fountain, but as I was praying to Our Lady, I was asking if she could intercede for me to obtain a healing so that I could be healed. And she put it on my heart that I wouldn't be healed right then and there after drinking the water, but that if I continued to offer up my suffering to Jesus, that she would obtain for me the healing soon, but I didn't know exactly when. She just asked me to be patient and keep offering up. So I did that for the next probably 12 months, and an opportunity came up to go to a prayer group here in Tamworth where they pray over you, the charismatic prayer group, and... I asked if they could pray for a healing for me, and I knew in my heart this was the thing that Our Lady was talking about. She promised that I would have a healing, and sure enough, after I got prayed over, I was better, completely better after that, and I was able to eat normal food again, and I have been better ever since, and that was in 2005. Wow, that's wonderful. Tammy, thank you very much for spending time with us today and sharing your story You brought up some wonderful points and you mentioned the joy of prayer and the joy of rosary and I think that's something that we all need to strive for and we only get that joy by praying a lot and entering deeply into it. And you mentioned beautifully how that naturally spills into then our love for the Mass and appreciating what the Mass is. And I guess that really shows how Mary brings us to Jesus, particularly in the Eucharist. Yes. Absolutely. Your work with the Legion of Mary, particularly in this year of faith and this where the church is having a real focus now on the new evangelization, that the witness of people, and particularly young people, how powerful that is and what it did for that man that you visited. I think, wow, that really says a lot about the power of witness. And this really is what the new evangelization is all about. Yeah. yeah. And also you mentioned a bit about Offering up your suffering, I think we all wrestle with trying to make sense of suffering, but to be able to offer that up and then see the fruits of that, that's really inspiring. So thank you very much, Tammy, for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. To all our listeners, thank you very much. I hope you have enjoyed our program today. And please tune in next time to Our Queen, Our Mother, when once again we'll look at the graces of the Blessed Virgin Mary.
radio.org.au